Abysses, aka responsible, proper, social distance shit talking from spare bedrooms across exurban Atlanta. Welcome to the Godless Heathens Podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Don. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jerry. This is a podcast by atheists that talks about a lot of things, not just atheism. We will challenge your assumptions and ours too. Definitely not here to preach to the atheist choir, but to critique, ridicule, and poke fun at anyone, especially ourselves. So join us as we examine the crossroads of politics and religion from the secular perspective. And remember, don't believe everything you hear on this podcast or anywhere else for that matter until you've independently verified it for yourself. In other words, duck, duck, go that shit. Episode 102, and it's another very special episode. We have journalist and disinformation expert Brooke Binkowski has joined us for what is unfortunately a very timely conversation. And we want to thank last week's guests that we had, Dr. Vincent Racaniello from This Week in Virology podcast. And you know, it would be nice to move on from talk all about the virus and virology and all that, but it's going to be a while, I think. So with that, I need a drink. Jerry, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Messenger of the Sea DDH double IPA from Service Brewing in Savannah. If you're ever in Savannah, it is a great spot right on the river. Their beer is not always my favorite. I'll give it a 3.25. Out of? Five. A hundred? I'm a tough grader. And, you know, along that same kind of lines, you know, Sweetwater is not one of my go-to breweries. But every once in a while, when I'm walking down my favorite beer store aisle, the Sweetwater section will attract my attention if they have something really strange and unusual. And last week they did. They had a uh, an almond milk stout that I thought I would try. And it's really good. It's a uh, 5.4. It doesn't have any flavors added to it. In other words, it's not like a chocolate no cacao. Or coffee no. or cacao. Okay. No hints it, of anything? Hmm. No, well, I mean, you know, you can taste tones, any uh, tones. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an authentic stout in, in terms of, you know, it's got the really roasted uh, grain to it. So it's really dark and, and kind it, of that chocolate. It's well, a milk it's stout. Chocolate. So it, it's milk a milk is stout. But in this case, it's uh, from the teat of an almond. Oh. <laughs> Was that the cow's name? <laughs> <laughs> the cow like named almond. a light brown cow. <laughs> they the dairy. They have really small dairies where they hook them up to <laughs> the machines and... Does it have a double entendre name? Because for for years, maybe even more than a decade, they either name their uh, beers after like weed, like one hitter series, or hmm. double entendres like uh, happy ending. Yeah, yeah. This is, they just labeled it almond milk stout. So ah, it's, get corporate. Uh, as, as, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's as unpretentious as the as a beer taste. They they lost an opportunity. That's yeah. I mean, with breweries, it, it seems like it's a battle to come out with really creative names for beers. It's like yeah, eh, almond milk stout. That'll work. Yeah. Worked for me. There you go. 
And what Don? are you drinking there, Don? I'm actually not drinking alcohol tonight. What? Or am I a Russian bot <laughs> who wants you to think I'm not drinking alcohol tonight? You do have a little bit of a Lenin goatee now that I think about it. Or am I really Antifa disguised as one of the heathens making a oh. point of not drinking? Where were you on January 6th, Don? Uh, moving on. That's and like, <laughs> supposed to be a quick answer. <laughs> but no, obviously we're, we're, we're making light of disinformation campaigns and, and that type of stuff. But we had, like I said, alluded to earlier, we had uh, Brooke Binkowski on who is the former editor at Snopes and the current editor at truthorfiction.com, which are, are two really good things. She's got one strike against her. She's an old friend of Jerry's. She's, she's a personal friend of Jerry's. So please don't hold that against her. So buckle Give her a fair up. shake. Well, yeah, I had a perfect line that I didn't use on her. It was, you, first of all, let's say you're an information, a disinformation expert and you're a friend of Jerry's. So you're coming into the pod with two strikes against you. You might want to choke up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> She would have got everything up until the baseball reference. Yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. But so we're going to play that interview that we did about a week ago for you now. Very interesting. We talked about disinformation campaigns and and especially in general, but especially uh, Facebook and some of the stuff that's going on over there at was it One Hacker Drive uh, mm-hmm. at Facebook? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, we'll play that for you now. We'll be back to wrap it up afterwards. Very happy to have Brooke Binkowski join the conversation this week. It is the first guest where an internet lookup was not my primary source for information. Brooke has a long and distinguished resume, but I got to know her as a colleague at the Three Letter News Network. But not long after I joined her department, she took off for the West Coast. Maybe it's because she was working overnights, but I do take it personally, and there will be an airing of grievances later. I slightly kid. She is the managing editor of TruthOrFiction.com, a site, quote, seeking truth and exposing fiction since 1999. It's a nonpartisan website, and oh, Joe Manchin just swoons at that, (laughs) Mm. where Internet users can quickly and easily get information about e-rumors, fake news, disinformation, warnings, offers, requests for help, myths, hoaxes, virus warnings, and humorous or inspirational stories that are circulated by email, which is really interesting because that was the only way that it was done in 1999. Obviously, social networks now too. Brooke has worked as a journalist for more than 20 years, focusing mostly on humanitarian and post-conflict stories, especially border regions and immigration. She's written for The Globe and Mail, The Guardian, The Wall Street Journal, CNN, CBS, and NPR. Brooke was also the managing editor of Snopes.com for nearly three years before deciding to pursue her passion for exposing disinformation in a new environment where journalists, researchers, and editors are free to do their work without restraint. And Snopes could totally be a movie given the you would not believe what went on there vibe. So, since 2015, Ms. Binkowski has distinguished herself as one of the leading journalists working against disinformation and propaganda, and you can find out for yourself at her lively Twitter account, at Brooklyn Marie. And the disinformation and propaganda part is why she is on the show, and very happy to I'm happy to be here! Thank you, thank you. And you can hear me okay? Thank you. 
Okay, cool. totally. Uh, yeah, you made me sound really cool. Did I did I write that intro? <laughs> uh, you know, you probably you probably wrote some of it. We hear about if you're paying paying attention to media, disinformation comes up all the time now, and there really there may be an academic definition for it. But when somebody asks you about disinformation and how you are covering disinformation, do you have an elevator pitch? Like what's the, what, what would be the way that you would tell somebody who didn't work in media or have a podcast about disinformation, why it, maybe it's a problem and is it getting worse? Oh boy. Uh, well, unfortunately all my elevator pitches are, the shorter they are, the crazier they sound. Right. But unfortunately, like when I try to expand them out, they still sound really like crazy. Actually, you know what? They sound nuts no matter what. So I just basically launch myself at people and grab them by the collar. I'm like, you have to pay attention. Um, so how's that oh, work great. for you? It's working out really well. Actually, I've moved on to the next phase. Which is, I told you. I told you. <laughs> yeah. um, but I guess if I had to have an elevator pitch, it would it would be this um, underneath the banner of of you know, misinformation, which is what I'm hearing a lot of people talking about. There's there's a whole bunch of other crap that like, nobody knows what they're talking about, right? But uh, so actually part of the problem is that there are no really um, like agreed upon linguistic or academic frameworks for studying this sort of thing in the English language. I think there might be some in other languages, specifically Russian, but um, I don't know because they're not in any languages I can speak or read. So here's my elevator pitch. Disinformation um, is information that, has, that is purposely poisoned in some way, whether its context has been removed or added in, or it's an outright lie or so forth. It's been tampered with in some way in order to bring about a specific or to take away specific rights or to bring about a specific outcome, um, which always uh, interferes in some way with human rights. That's the human rights part is very important because it indicates bad faith which is why it's disinformation and not malinformation or misinformation or, you know, whatever other forms of information you've got out there. Um, it's often paired with propaganda. Propaganda is pushing towards a narrative in order to bring about an outcome, whereas disinformation is about inhibiting um, a narrative to bring up about a, an outcome or to stop an outcome. See, there is no good elevator pitch. It's awful. I'm just like, that's disinformation. That's disinformation. That's a disinformation campaign. But that's, I mean, you know it when you see it. It's basically, it's gaslighting. It's its fire hosing. It's, it's all the things that like, you know, when when you're hearing things and you're thinking that this is, you know, this is coming from a bad actor and it's in bad faith, that's disinformation. Um, and, you know, it's also used by a lot of people in, in the context of anything that somebody says that I don't like. And actually, in fact, one of the really annoying insults that I hear between um, disinformation uh, specialists and researchers is they insult each other by saying, well, you sound like a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> so it's it's difficult and it's messy and it's kind of ugly right now. Yeah, I was wondering about that because you're like, a lot of people use misinformation and disinformation interchangeably. And misinformation, my understanding is it's unintentional, where disinformation is intentional, like, like what you're saying, to deceive yes. people. Yeah. But, but I wish more people one, would understand that. Isn't, doesn't, doesn't one lead to the other and that's part of the um kind of the distribution like like we'll, we'll go to jeff's favorite topic um anti-vaxxers like particularly people that you know do their own research 
disinformation gets pushed by people with the agenda. Yeah. Wait, let me stick my spoon to my shoulder. Um, uh, disinformation gets pushed by the people trying to affect some outcome and it goes through to regular people that get spit out as misinformation because they are believing bad sources. Is that... Uh, I mean, okay, there's a big argument. I am not the person to ask this question of because uh, I tend... You are on this podcast. <laughs> okay, okay, on this podcast. Ooh, so I start to get real... Um, I start to sound like an old right winger about this shit because I get really frustrated. I just, I am not the kind of person who is ever going to be an effective, you know, um, like anybody who can break somebody out and like de, uh, deprogram somebody or, you know, pry them out of their cult or anything. I'm never going to be that person. Cause I'm like, fuck them. Who cares? Right. So it's like, just let's just get rid of it. Like chop the heads off. But what I really actually believe um, after just like, you know, talking to some of these people, like knowing um, a lot of them, um, I, I had a, I've lost some really good friends to this. Um, but there was, there were those seeds in those people all along, right? They didn't just have the wool pulled over their eyes. Some part of them, when I go back and think about it, I think, you know, yeah, some part of them really did want to believe this all along. You know, some, some part of them was, was there that they didn't fight off enough. So it, I tend to say that people who are buying in like completely to disinformation campaigns are looking for permission rather than persuasion. I don't think uh, Facebook is as much of a persuasion machine as it is a permission machine for the worst people and the, having the worst impulses among us. However, if you talk to an, any a number of other disinformation researchers or experts or whatever you want to call us, whatever the hell we are, I like to call myself, you know, a cyber war pirate queen or something because um, it just fits the like lunacy of these times. But if you ask 10 of us, you're probably going to get 10 different answers. Um, I, I just... I don't know anything about de-radicalization um, and that's something that goes into the sort of mechanism of de-radicalization. I just tend to uh, believe that social corrections, like heavy social corrections are the way to, to get people who are pushing this kind of stuff to stop pushing it. And uh, that means like, you know, mockery, heavy pushback, uh, shunning. Um, these are people who are just like behaving in antisocial manners. And, and then like, possibly some some sort of worse consequence for people who are you know pushing this sort of malinformation disinformation that's getting others killed um but yeah i just again i get really impatient i'm, I'm not a people person <laughs> i mean i love people i love humanity in theory but like individuals i'm like fuck off so you should probably ask somebody who's much more compassionate than i am <laughs> all right but using <laughs> using your seed we're good in groups <laughs> but individually each one of us can just i fucking right, hate them no. <laughs> So using, though, that, that kind of that seed analogy, is the flood and access of disinformation what germinates the seed? And when I say that, I'm not, I'm not defending the people who are, are all over Facebook until they get kicked off or Twitter or, or TikTok before they get kicked off for yeah. anti-vax disinformation. But without that watering of it from these bad actors that have distribution networks to basically just stick it right in their brain 24-7, that's what pushes them over the edge. Like that connection that Mark Zuckerberg always loves to talk about 
is one of the th is the reason why it spread so quickly and it's like a it's like a thousand fires that you can't stamp yeah, out. Yeah, that's that's fair. So I mean, and and this is like I I've gotten stuck on this phrase a hard needle to thread. I hate that phrase, and yet. It's a hard needle to thread. Thanks for asking. <laughs> because, yeah, like, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who would never have turned into, you know, like, wild-eyed, like, people holding si anti-vaxxer signs at school board meetings. Screaming at kids at Going schools. to schools to yeah. scream at children, you know, yes. Uh, some Quitting their jobs. And laughing by the way, at kids at school board meetings that are talking about their parent or grandparent or whatever that died. Or dying. Dying yeah. themselves, like yeah. to the end. It's a big yeah. hoax, and then they die of the yeah, hoax. The, the yep. fatal hoax. Actually, uh, have you seen the Herman Cain Award Reddit site, the subreddit Herman Cain Award? It is incredibly have. dark and satisfying because it's always they they curate it, and so it's always people who are posting stuff like, "Oh, libtards think that this is a natural disease, but it's the Biden flu," and then like it progresses, and then yeah. it's always it always ends with, "I should have had the vaccine." Now I'm on a ventilator, and then the next one is here's so and so's loved one. Please donate to our GoFundMe for the funeral expenses. Here's the GoFundMe. It's awful, yeah. but it's also savagely like very satisfying because it's like I've dealt with these people's death threats for years, and um, and then it's also like really effective because others are seeing that seeing that organically. They're seeing the social consequences and the actual like death consequences of you know not taking the vaccine. Part of the problem is like. But is it having is it having any effect? Because a lot of them talk about how they hope that that they're a cautionary tale of some sorts to to the rest of of, of the lemmings. But it, you never took heed to any of the other cautionary tales oh, yeah, that no, came I, down. You know why do you think you're so fucking important that you're going to make a difference for everybody? You're just another idiot that died of this shit that didn't. I mean that self importance bye is bye. why they got yeah. uh, was is what what made them yeah. vulnerable to that sort of disinformation to begin with, right? But yeah, I mean, I think if people yeah. hadn't had this seeded right into their brains, and, and more to the point, what Facebook is really has been experimenting with, I believe, has been social contagion. And a lot of people are very, um, you know, prone to, like, it's easy to pressure others into doing stuff or believing things or seeing things in a different way or joining groups or buying guns or, you know, going to a march with your guns and the rest of the Oath Keepers, right? It's like this, this sort of incremental thing. So this is where it becomes a sort of a hard needle to thread because then I'm saying, well, they're doing things they wouldn't have ordinarily done, but I don't think it's fundamentally changing their personalities because I don't. I think it's seizing on parts of their personalities that they didn't even know existed, but Facebook did because it's been analyzing the way we talk, our speech patterns, like the words we use, the things we talk about, our interests, our dislikes, our messages where we talk about our fears, our hopes, our dreams, you know, our most shameful impulses, the things that we don't tell anybody. Facebook believes that it has found a way to read between the lines, find out what those impulses are, which it probably can. It's pretty easy to figure out in most people, right? Um, but, and then joined all those same people together. That's the problem. It's fucking joined the whole global far right. They've been trying to do that for like 30 years and they haven't been able to because there hasn't been the technology. Facebook did it. <laughs> so that's why we're mm -hmm. so fucked up right now. The global far right's all talking to each other all day and all night on Facebook. And you have a history with Facebook. Yes, I do. And and with, I have a history with Nazis, too. <laughs> yeah. And and by the way. But you weren't but you weren't part of the Nazi machine, but you were an official part of the Facebook machine. Uh, it's yes, no. Okay, I'll tell that story. So 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 what was it what was it like to be, you know, a, an official Facebook fact checker? Death 
constantly. What was what was the ins- what did the inside of the Borg look like? Because I've never okay, seen it. Wasn't it wasn't like that. Was it as magical as they say it is? It wasn't like that at all. It was disgusting from the get-go. It was awful. Okay, so here's here's what happened from the very beginning. I gave an interview to some some shit, I don't know, um, and I said, I don't think that fake news is the problem. This is 2015, okay, or 2016. I was so much more naive. but So naive. So naive. Mm. And um, I... All of us were, though. That was a fairy time. That was a fairy tale land. This one time I was watching the the Americans and smoking a joint with my friends. And the joint's important because I was like, we were talking about like stoner stuff. And so I'm watching the Americans and I was like, this is 2014 or 2015, early 2015. And I was like, what if like, what if like we were like doing this except like Russia was doing this like on social media? (laughs) Wouldn't that be a trick? And then uh, I totally forgot about it. Oh, I was like, no. <laughs> like, we laughed about it. Totally forgot about it. And then a year later, I'm like, oh, my God. I wish I'd pursued that line of thought. No. Anyway. Kids, don't, like let, your, don't let your the, friends uh... smoke weed. Look what happens. <laughs> no. She's like Dave from The Good Place. The guy that got like 94% of who is God, you know, right? <laughs> At one time. If I totally by accident, yeah. I caught. I love that show so much. Yeah, just he's, and it's always a stoner. It just says something, and it's just so profound, and nobody he's gets like, it. And that guy just happened to get it almost totally right. So, but yeah, yeah so it was yeah. not like that at all. At least not for me, Jerry. It was um, well, all of you. Sorry, I actually just realized I don't know everybody's names. Oh yes, I do. Okay, Jerry, Jeff, and Don. <laughs> um, so it wasn't actually like that. So okay. So I did this interview. This interview goes out. I said, fake news isn't the problem. The lack of journalism is the problem. Because I was hoping, like, this would get out there. And then all the tech companies would be like, oh, let's give a bunch of money to journalism. Then we don't have to worry about it. So I get this email from somebody from Facebook saying, hey, we'd really like to talk to you about a partnership. And I was like, oh, my God, it worked. That was easy. I guess somebody just needed to say something. (laughs) So I was like, yes. So I, then I, then I like closed my laptop because I'm like, this is too much pressure and just pushed it away from me. And then the next day I sent it to my, my then boss, the guy who just went down for plagiarism, um, David. And I was like, Hey, what do you think? This is a Snopes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's a whole, I'll, I'll get to that, but that's, you got to remind me about that. Cause, uh, that's a whole other thing. Um, so I sent it to him and I was like, Hey, I, I think we should do this. So I ended up brokering this agreement through like all of us ended up broking this agreement at Snopes because I was managing editor, you know, he's the owner or one of the owners, but put, setting himself up to be the owner. Um, and so we're hammering this, this out. And I kept saying, we're not taking any money from them. We are not taking any money from them. No matter what, we don't take any money from them unless they're going to like put some money into a foundation and like give it to us free and clear, or, like put it in there free and clear. Like we're not, we're not their employees. And like, I just was insistent on this because I, I wanted money for newsrooms, but not like that. Right. It wasn't like, they were trying to make it so we were their employees. You wanted your cake and eat it too. <laughs> no, I just wanted to give me money for being me. No, what I was hoping. You just wanted to launder the yeah. money first. You know, just a, just a little washing. I wanted to just feel better about yeah. myself. I want to be able to sleep at night. No, actually, here's my idea. I've had this idea for years and I keep, this is the one idea I want everybody to steal. and Fucking nobody will steal this idea. But I think it's a good one. I don't think they're not stealing it because it's bad, I hope. But maybe I just married to it. But I have this idea that Facebook, Twitter, Google, whoever else puts money, a percentage of their um, whatever they make every year. And this is retroactive, by the way. They put it into a foundation, an independent foundation every single year that is um, transparently and independently administered by people working in journalism, um, like an elected board within journal, like a national or an international board. And then it's disseminated to newsrooms every year. Or, you know, every two years or whatever. Like, you have to apply and you get these grants. But they're free and clear grants. They're grants to pay us back for, like, you know, 
all the money that got stolen from us by by fucked up like Google policies, by Facebook stealing our shit and calling it content, you know, degrading journalism, and then that fucking pivot to video thing. Oh my god, I'm never gonna stop being pissed off about that. <laughs> I'm trying not to rant, but I'm ranting. Oh god. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that that was infuriating. The pivot to video thing, as you probably know, they just made that up. Um, so I didn't want to take any money from them. I made sure we wrote that in the press release. Like I made, like I I was like, you know, just this big nag. I'm like, we're not taking money. No All money. No money. Puffed up with big J journalism. Big J journalism. Hell yeah. No, I actually I just knew that Facebook was up to something by then because it was just shady. And um, they were already, like, being shady, right? And I was like, oh, they're a big corporation. And I'm still being optimistic, though. Big corporation, they don't know. They're not journalists. They don't understand. I'll teach everybody. And, you know, because it's self-important. Like, my ego takes over. I'm like, this is my time to shine. (laughs) So uh, immediately, like, it becomes clear that Facebook is not going to do – it's nothing like I thought. What it looked like in practice was – But you were fact-checking. You were an official – fact checker for Facebook. One of, I don't know, dozens? How many? At that time, we were, I think we we're the fifth six. or the sixth one, yeah. Um, and so it was you, you and you and Breitbart. No, there was, right, no, it wasn't um, Breitbart. Oh, sorry, Daily <laughs> it Caller. It wasn't Daily Caller. It wasn't Daily Caller yet. Okay, there's a, <laughs> there's a story there too. I Okay, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have a tendency to cause trouble. No, I'm just kidding. I know you know this. Um, I, I don't mean to, I, so I do have this tendency and I, I don't mean to, I just see stuff and I ask questions and then people freak out and then I'm like, oh, how did I do this? But then I get indignant. So I'm just like, I get all puffed up on my high horse. I'm like, no, this is a matter of principle. And, uh, the, that's kind of how it goes from there. So I got all puffed up on, you know, the principle of it all. And, um, they kind of just kept trying to like get us to do more and more Facebook centric stuff. Um, and they kept like dangling a well with your Facebook fact checkers in front of us. And the more they did that, the more pissed off I got at them. So I was like, (laughs) and I ended up, um, when the daily caller was, um, applying, I was like determined to, uh, like I, I, well, they, they have no credibility. They, they're not, they're not fact checkers. They shouldn't be doing this. So yeah, I was trying to, um, hold IFCN accountable for allowing them in to begin with because Facebook did have these third party fact fact checkers going through Pointer and Pointer is the one who's supposed to be like gatekeeping, but they, you know, I don't know. How could you possibly face check for Facebook when there's just millions of posts every day? Here was the other thing. Okay. So this is why it was super shady to begin with from the get go and why I like quickly. So at first I thought that it was going to be like, we just did our thing. Like part of it was you don't interrupt our, you know, day to day, like editorial process and we're not taking any money. Like we'll figure it out in other ways. You know, like maybe like I was thinking maybe at that time, like if there's some big rumor going around they could like say Snopes fact check this for us because I didn't know what they really wanted us for yet um and so what they would do Hmm. was they so first they asked us all for they asked editorial for their Facebook names for you know their Facebook identities and then they hooked us into this tool where we could maneuver when we were logged in we could maneuver to this like page and it had all their high priority like rumors going into it that they wanted us specifically to fact check but it was like algorithmically driven and it was based on, I, I don't know what it was based on. And we would often get like the same like thing with that was slightly reworded, you know, um, over and over and over again. And so I would ask them, I'd be like, hey, so what's the criteria for this? Because it seems like you're giving us a lot of like left wing stuff to fact check. And is it because, you know, we have this 
like reputation for being the lefty fact checkers? Like, what's this all about? And they never answered. And eventually, actually, they started cutting me out of um, <laughs> cutting me out of uh, meetings and stuff like that because I would I'd always just be like, "What is the deal?" And um, so that was kind of how it was. Like they would they would have like high priority ones, and it would just be on this list. And as we fact checked them, we were supposed to put the little link in, and whether we found it true or false, and then we just submitted it and. It, went on its way it didn't help anything like the same shit just kept po- popping up over and over it wasn't doing anything i thought they were like gonna use it to like do something with the ai and instead they started putting the filter over it and saying you know fact checkers are uh you know they, they fact check this and this is true or false or whatever and it pisses everybody off because it's it's terrible <laughs> like this is just yeah. dreadful so they were just using you for PR, yeah. basically, then, to say that we are fact-checking yeah. and not really Price's doing the, the hard work of it. And not, not they are fact not You know, Facebook isn't fact-checking. Right. No, it's right. Independent, right. Independent news organizations, which, by the way, is why they had to have the, the Daily Caller. Right. I mean, and, and it was nauseating to a, quote, regular journalist that the Daily Caller was was – on a par with all the rest of the organizations. They're all equal fact checkers. Every, you know what? It's uh, who would know? Both sides, yeah. baby. Exactly. And that's so disgusting. And I've seen how like badly it's gotten fucked up. Well, okay. So the daily caller thing, um, I have, I, I kind of like Tucker Carlson, like kind of came after me. It, well, all those creepy. So all these little creepy right wingers, like try to come after me. Right. So at first they came after me calling me ugly or fat or like something like that or saying, yeah, I can't find a man because that's how they try to like psychologically fuck with women. Um, you know, that's how they first, they're like, you're too old to be relevant. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, I haven't heard this before. Like, you think, whatever, amateurs. So then Poso BX started, Jack Poso BX, that little bootlicker guy, um, the one who like pretends he was in the Navy or something, but he was actually like a piss tester guy. I don't know. Anyway, he's a little right wing creep. So he came after me at some point and like sent a bunch of stuff to Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson did this like, I don't know, segment about me or something. <laughs> and Whoa. he was like, Facebook fact checker, Brooke Binkowski. Like it was obviously like pissing him off so badly that I was a fact checker and he, he, Tucker Carlson wasn't. And so it was awful, by the way. The death threats really kicked up after that. It, it went on for months. Wow. He did wow. it twice and both times. Like all his little shitty little bootlickers came after me. And I was just like, what the fuck, man? You know, like, I know what you're trying to do, and it's not going to work. So this was, I'm getting all these emails and stuff. They continued, by the way, until April of this year, and then they stopped, and I think it's because everybody died. So that's cool. Um, of COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, is, but, but that's but that's that's part of the playbook. Yeah, entirely. And, and the, the playbook is to silence people mm-hmm. through threats and fear. And, you know, you... you when you put yourself out there, you know, either with a, an opinion that they, like a regular person who just yells into the void on Twitter or Facebook, they don't really care about. But the people with audiences and news organizations, absolutely, when they put stuff out, then they get that same treatment. And they are trying to do it to silence people. Yep. And it's, well, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing it to politicians now, and, and public health officials. Pe- yeah, public yep. right, yep. right. Yep. Uh, those fiendish public health officials and school board members. I mean, some of the most innocuous position, you know, governmental positions are now like, you know, here here's a cliche: hotbeds yeah. of 
of of rage. And it's That's, it's being done absolutely on purpose. The reason they're doing these low level um like elected officials, these going after these low level elected officials is the same reason they went after me because uh, they perceive us as not having power. And um, so they're weaponizing these sort of formerly innocuous positions. This is why I'm just like, we have to participate. You have to participate in democracy. We have to do it right now because otherwise we're going to lose it because these fuckers are going to come in and they're going to take over and they're going to infiltrate and co-op just like they have been. And it's going to get worse. And we're not going to have a democracy at all in a few years. Uh, And we're not going to have a planet. So, you know, like I prefer having a planet in democracy. I know democracy has a lot of problems, but I kind of want to hang on to it. Hippie. I know, I know, like kumbaya, I've got potted plants and everything. I'm in California. Um, <laughs> coming in here with her high hopes. Yeah, I want to live past 50. I hate to tell you that, this, Brooke, but, but hope kills. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's Jerry's motto, by the it way. Does. It no, is, but you're baby. right, it does. You know, I used to, the thing that used to get me, like, through my darkest times in life used to be my just, like, endless faith in in human nature and, and human compassion and just like the inherent goodness of humanity and now i'm like oh fuck <laughs> i don't know what i'm gonna do now Ooh, yeah <laughs> my bad yeah i was gonna say that, that ideal is probably taking a beating in the last two oh, years oh man it has been but now <laughs> last five is is youtube any better than oh, facebook god, no. though oh my god well no okay yeah they are in the the they're slightly less bad because they lie slightly less about how harmful they are. Like they seem to be a little bit more like self-aware of like their image and their optics. But that I also could just be biased because I've only ever partnered with Facebook. So I think Facebook's the absolute worst, no matter what, like across the board, fuck Facebook. But I'm pretty sure like if I'd worked for any other social media platform, I'd probably just think they were the worst as well. Um, however, here's my anecdata for you. My hair is long now. I've never had long hair. I've always had it very short, right? Um, and I just don't know what to do with it. So I started looking for, um, like braiding videos, like trying to learn how to be feminine and braid my hair and do all that crap. So the first video was, that was okay. And then I let, just let it autoplay with, through the suggested videos to see what would happen. I'm mm. like, what's the worst that could happen with braids? Because I already knew, I mean, this is last year, but... How to braid a swastika into your hair. <laughs> yeah, like the fifth no, video. It was the second video. Well, the third. The sec- second. <laughs> the second video was Viking Girl. It was like Viking Girl fashion. Oh, no. And I'm like, ooh, that's a little iffy. Let's see what the next one is. And the next one was like Thor son, Odin swastika. You know, like that. So I was like, ooh. Oh, wow. Ooh. Just Our braiding hair. Everything, everything wow. just funnels everything right into directly into white supremacist content. And it's so gross. And it's just, it's it's rotten, man. Like, our tech has, our tech world, our journalism world, have, our, our institutions entirely have been infiltrated, co-opted, and turned to disinformation. So I've got hair, hair in my face now. I had to call attention to it. <laughs> so it is their business model, though. And anytime that these platforms get called out on the amount of, of bullshit on them, they always, you know, these masters of the tech universe, when it comes to keeping this kind of content off, they're all, it's like, oh, it's so hard. There's so much content. We couldn't possibly moderate it. And you wouldn't want us to anyway, because that would be, that wouldn't be freedom. You know, we. Free speech. Yep. They make, they make billions upon billions of dollars and are the leading mass tech companies but they always get a pass 
on content moderation, particularly when they say how expensive it would be. And I want to scream. They make more money than anybody. Yeah, they do. If they if if they were forced to do it, they absolutely would. No matter how much it costs, they They'd, would still they be. They would make slightly less. Wildly profitable. Been, they're not making money. They're sucking all the money out of everybody else. They're taking actual creativity. That's a fact. They've taken everything. All this shit's been stolen. Okay, one of the reasons I'm so pissed off at social media platforms is because I grew up in this world. I've been. I, I've always been a tech person. I was never like a tech like take things apart and put them back together. I was always all about the, like the, the sociological, anthropological aspects of it. It was just always my thing. And I grew up in the BBS world and, you know, the online world. I, I was online from the 80s. And it, it really affected my my life because, first of all, I was like 15 and hanging out with like 35-year-old men. <laughs> but second of all... <laughs> Not ideal. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> my mom came home one day. Okay. Sorry, this is a side story. I'm super sorry about this. I have to tell this. Please remind me when I forget what I was getting at last. But I, I was online. I used to talk to people. It was magical for me because you could talk to people and like nobody knew who you were. So I could just have these conversations, like these purely intellectual conversations with people. So one time I was having purely intellectual conversations with somebody when I was like 11. And, and he's like, I want to meet you in person. And I'm like, okay, come on over. I was homesick from school. I was in sixth, sixth oh, grade. Geez. And... Maybe it's 12, but it was like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to come over. And I was like, all right, sure. I'm, I don't have anywhere to be today. I'm homesick. And um, he, he cruises over and I open the door and he's like, uh, so it's like 30 years old. He's like, uh, is Brooke here? And I'm like, oh, I'm Brooke. And his face just went white. <laughs> oh my God. And, and he's like, I'm not coming in. And I'm like, okay, why? I was totally clueless, right? I'm 12. Yeah. And he's like. I'm going to have a cigarette. He like pulls a cigarette out and he's like smoking a cigarette and he sits down. I'm like, oh, can I have a cigarette? He's like, no. <laughs> so I go sit next to the guy. And I mean, I think I'm being super grown up. Like at that time, I thought I was just great. Like my mom's at work. So I go sit down next to him and he's smoking and he's like, you seemed a lot older online. I'm like, oh, you should, yeah, I mean, uh, people tell me that all the time, you know. And then my mom comes home early to check on me because I was homesick. And she sees me sitting yeah. next to this guy who's smoking a cigarette. And the guy, like, puts a cigarette out. And he's like, uh, it's not what you think. And my mom's like, get out. <laughs> the guy's like, okay. like splits. And she's like, what? Like, I was in so much trouble. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I met him on the computer. And um, that, that was oh, that was how I got the computer taken away from me for four years. That was So then yeah. I, um. <laughs> that's we're going to find, gonna find that guy. <laughs> oh, I was like. Uh, we're yeah. gonna find that oh, guy. No, he was found. No, he, do you watch like the data, uh, the, the data predator or whatever you see that show? I, I totally. Is this guy popped I catfished up? him. No, like that's him. In his defense, he totally, very obviously thought I was his age at, until he saw me. Oh yeah. And um, no, we're Facebook friends now. <laughs> wow, you are so lucky. I know. Though. Okay. I know. How, you know? how in the world after all of this? I think you're thinking raving, exactly what I'm oh, thinking. Do you still have a Facebook account? Oh, I'll tell you yeah. exactly. And, that. and and if you're gonna say that I gotta have it for work, yeah, eh. you, you just had like a 20 minute fuck Facebook oh, diet. Yeah, yeah. No. And, and then what happened like, to that? I'll tell you. What happened Hold on, to that? I'll send you a friend request. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly why. Because first of all, I'm not gonna give up this marvelous method of instant communication. I think it's great. The infrastructure can't yeah. be beat. Oh. The ease of communication. Hang on, I'm not done. Damn it. And second of all. It's not on us to leave. It's on them to unfuck it. Like, I have been on there. I have 
10 years worth of, of photos. I've talked to people and built up like relationships with people all over the world. Yeah, okay, Facebook's fucking spying on it and using its personality test me and they need to stop. They need to be they need to be held accountable for it and then they need to open this up to the public and allow it to be open source and and go fuck themselves after that. Just out of curiosity, when you took the pill, how did it taste? Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you have to remember okay, that's And was it a really good was it a really, really good glass of red wine and a steak? Or like what was your you know, what was what was the meal that you had when you finally took the pill and decided not to live in the decided to live in the matrix but just rail on it? But well I I come from the matrix. <laughs> I can't I can't not be from the yeah. matrix. Um and I actually, honest to God, I do need it for work. I really do. Okay. I really do need it for work. All right. So I need it to. So I'll, I'll ask. I have. Since I'm not a journalist oh. anymore, I can ask. Oh. I can ask uh, uh, an actual one. Am I a journalist though? So, I don't think I am anymore either. I'm something totally different. I don't know. I heard it. I heard that used in the open for this show. So we're gonna we're gonna roll okay. with it. How do you fight? something that you're actively a part of because because I doubt you actually think that Facebook can be changed <clears throat> but how mm-hmm. and like if you are participating in it do you kind of give up the right to really rail on it because because you are you you may be bitching about it but you're in it you're in it as much as anybody else. Well, I guess to that I would say I've separated it out in the same way that I separate out going to countries and, you know, that have policies that I don't like or that I disagree with for one reason or another. It's probably a long list. Well, yeah, I, not that I go anywhere anymore. I can't leave the country. There's a flag on my passport. Um, but, well, actually, it might not be there anymore in this administration, but there was. But that's a whole other thing. Um, but I, I tend to separate out, um, the, when it comes to like countries and their sort of like states and their heads of states, I try to separate out the government from the people, right? Especially now, because we know that the government in many cases does not reflect the will will of people. And I kind of feel like Facebook's, uh, upper management and executive staff are very much like the government of a com- country that's been hopelessly corrupted. Like a lot of the people... Hungry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, hungry as in they are feeling hungry and also hungry as in the country. Exactly. Poland, Hungary, England, the United States under the Trump administration, Mexico under pre, uh, Venezuela, Argentina, Bolivia, uh, let's see, Myanmar, Indonesia. In fact, all countries that have been hit with Facebook disinformation campaigns in the last 10 years. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it's hard enough to justify, but it's also my other counter argument is it, Facebook has gone out of its way to insinuate itself into every aspect of our lives over the last 15 years and it, very aggressively by design. And so it's really difficult. I, I actually deleted my Facebook for a year, I think, uh, in 2007, 2008, because I thought it was insidious and, and terrible. And during that year, my mom got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. My grandmother died and uh, my dad got cancer and I didn't hear any of it. And they were all pissed off at me because they announced it on fucking Facebook. So that's what brought me back. Mm-hmm. And they're still doing it. So if I want any family, anything, I have to get on Facebook. So that's another reason. 
And that part is, I mean, and I'm not using that as an excuse. I mean, I'm going in fully aware of what's going on. But I do want to mention that because there are so many social pressures and financial pressures. Like people look at your Facebook profile, you know, when you're, when they're trying to decide whether to hire you. Um, there's, there's, uh, well, I guess so, just social, economic, and that's it. Well, and plus the, the part where they built in, you know, whatever they could to make it as addictive as possible and fuck with your brain as much as possible. Like the... Um... Well, belonging and community. I mean, if you're not part of the local Facebook group, you're not really part of the conversation. Yeah. In a lot of places. And what's the alternative? In a lot of places, Facebook is the internet. Yeah. Oh. And they did that so that they could have unfettered access to the citizens of those countries' brains in order to use them as disinformation labs. It's disgusting. It's fucking disgusting what they've done. Taking notes all the way. Did you see that document that, well, I mean, there's a few documents, but there was one in particular about Instagram's effects on teenage girls' brains and like how they see themselves. The, the document itself, it's couched in concern, but it's a roadmap. It's like how, how to destroy a teenage girl, basically. Like, here's how you do it. Here's what you, here's how you pressure them. And, and it's, it's yeah. very disturbing. And they're doing this, they're gathering this information without, without consent, without knowledge. Ugh. It's so unethical. Well, yeah, they are getting you don't consent. want to do this, but if you did, here's right. the steps. Right here. In, in a bulleted list. Well, that, but that's just a speed bump, though, to their business model. Authoritarianism? I mean, you no, know, well, the, the, you know, destroying um, mostly girls' self-image, you know, like for Instagram especially, like they know it causes mental stress in a lot of young girls. But that's a lot just of, something a lot of old girls to too. overcome. <laughs> yeah. Pardon? I'm sorry. I said yeah. a lot of old girls too, with all those death threats and shit. And, and, well, and 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 guys, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the the pressure for likes and you know the 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 pressure to have more friends and to everything you post. If I, if it doesn't get a certain amount of likes, well, what am I doing wrong? And like mm-hmm. that's that is and it's it's feeding the beast. It's like a it's like a slot machine of emotions, and you normally lose in Vegas. Yeah. And they were about to introduce a version of Instagram for even younger kids, and they put that on pause, you know, but for how long? And, you know, if that's their model, they're going to go there. Uh, yeah, they are. And, and and that's really, really dangerous. I mean, did you ever hear or see, hear about or see those um, strange YouTube videos that were aimed at children? Um, they showed, like, these familiar cartoon characters like Peppa Pig and, I don't know, some others. I, I don't really know much about kids' cartoons, but, like, they showed these familiar kids' cartoon characters um, but they were doing like messed up things. So they would like, there was one I saw where Peppa Pig and her friends like climbed up to the top of the building and then they walked off the top of the building. And they're like, I can fly now. And it just showed them like flying. Mm. And I'm just like, holy shit, somebody's doing terrible. What the fuck? Yeah, it was like that. And then there was another one I saw where, um, actually I read about it and then I saw it. It was really upsetting. And it was like, Peppa Pig goes to the dentist. And you know, Peppa Pig is, it's all this like early learning pedagogy, like, you know, helping children, like ease children through the anxieties of, of all these like rituals and new experiences. The Sesame Street demographic. Yeah, Sesame. Maybe yeah. even a little younger. Yeah. And, and so Peppa Pig is for them, right? To show them how to like deal with potentially stressful situations and so forth. But they took that and they said, you know, Peppa Pig goes to the dentist on this YouTube video. And they showed Peppa Pig's teeth, like the dentist like pried out Peppa Pig's teeth with pliers and screws while Peppa Pig was screaming. And it was like playing this happy music. Oh my it was really fucked up. 
And I was like, dude, there are like nasty people like perverts and and like you know pedophiles who are like trying to do that like fuck with like your children that you know and now i sound like one of the conspiracy QAnon conspiracy theorists but like like actually you know like actual real life pedophiles not the ones that exist in their their weird yeah. brains yeah yeah not yeah not not, not the ones at the dnc <laughs> uh, uh, you know work at the pizza parlor but but yeah there's it's like i've, I've heard stories of where like People have found like a video of their child that's in the backyard on a swing or whatever. All of a sudden, has like a million hits or some shit because he gets around like in a pedophile group. That happened to my one of my and friends' kids. Oh, creeping on like kids' videos and shit. It's yeah. Yeah. So my come on, that really happens. Yeah. So so my friend has this this kid with uh well this kid was holding her other kid. So her son's holding her other kid as a baby, right? And and he like looks down and this her son has these beautiful long eyelashes. And so she puts the video up and she's like, look at my baby's eyelashes, you know, for like mom and grandma, but she puts it up publicly. And um, it was up for like two years. She forgot about it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, million hits. And there are all these comments like beautiful eyes. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> yeah. But those people, but also like people who consider us Americans or like people who consider us the enemy or, you know, others, people consider Americans the enemy. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like another way to say it. People who are hostile to Americans or hostile to certain Americans or hostile to specific sub demographic groups, right? Um, they can now use that kind of like the kind of information that Facebook has to allow children of certain demographic groups to see, but only those children of certain demographic groups, those accounts to see shit like Peppa Pig going up to the top of the building and jumping off. Mm. So there's this, like... So it's targeted. Yeah, highly, highly targeted. And that is a huge problem. It's highly targeted in a way that's completely invisible. And I don't know, like, the stuff that we're seeing coming out right now is absolutely the tip of the iceberg. I don't know. I can only speculate. I know some of what kind of information they've been taking from us. It's pretty rough. It's um yeah, it's we've been we've been very badly manipulated and lied to. Well, it's not going to get any better though. So well, like like they're not going to <clears throat> the platforms aren't going to police themselves. No, no, no. God, no, and, they're not going to police themselves. Those assholes. Right. So you know, and then the thing that drives me probably the most crazy is when people like Zuckerberg say, well, we we, we welcome regulation. Mm-hmm. We, we, we want to be regulated. I listened to a, a podcast with, uh, and it's a good one, uh, Recode Media with the, the head of it, the head of Instagram. And uh, he said, you know, the same thing, like we welcome regulation. Yeah, right. And... The, one of the only missed notes in that podcast would be, I, I would have a hard time going, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you guys spend the most money in Washington now. You have armies of lobbyists. Mm-hmm. And you spend more money to make sure that this regulation will never happen. And then tell us with a straight face that you welcome it. Yeah, I mean... That's one of the more cynical parts of this, you know, entire shit show. It's so disgusting, so, isn't it? It's just like, the okay, they're, obviously they're lying. I mean, they're just completely gaslighting. But it's, it's disgusting because it's like they've got all these newsrooms on the titty now. 
So of course, Facebook is not going to like, it's, it's been really like, oh, what do you, what do you mean by that for people who aren't in the business when you say that? Oh, sorry. Uh, Facebook has, uh, paid off so many newsrooms at this point. Um, they have, they give them about, I think a hundred thousand dollars a year, more or less. I'm not sure how much they give them actually, because you know, which is money to a small newsroom. It's money to a small newspaper. It is. It's, it's, you know, it's two salaries. Well, I'd like to say it's one salary, but it's two salaries. It's three salaries. It's four. It's four yeah. salaries. Yeah. <laughs> it's a year. It's an annual salary for four people. <laughs> um, yeah. Five, Ten five part people. Timers. Yeah. I mean, it, it does make all the difference, and and it's it's enough to make a difference even to the larger newsrooms, but it's not enough to make such a difference that they will be, you know, um, like independent, right? It, it's not like you're giving them fifty million. It's not like there's some kind of big donation that's going to allow them to to have no strings attached. It's just that the biggest string attached is going to be Facebook. So you can tell like which newsrooms are taking money from Facebook because they're the, they're the ones whose reporters are like, I sure wish Facebook would be more transparent. And then there's the two of us who are like, fuck these people, they're fucking lying to you. Like it's just it's it's just disinfo 101. I mean, like what they're doing is just like corporate manipulation 101, but we've lost that whole, you know, institutional knowledge and memory of journalism because so many of us have been fired, laid off, died because we didn't have health insurance. Well, they didn't because obviously I'm still alive. Um, but I mean, like there's just so much bad shit that's been happening to us. And I believe that it's been deliberate so that there won't be any oversight so that we will just be discouraged and frightened or dead or too weak or too tired or too whatever. But when you, when you guys are saying newsrooms, are you talking about the small local? You're not talking about the, the big guys, about right? The big guys too. I'm talking about all of them. Yeah. All of them. Oh, okay. But I mean, when, hmm. yeah, like hmm. newsrooms are taking like pointers. Take, oh, oh, so, so IFCN, sorry. It's, there's just so many moving parts that I, I feel like I get really tedious with this. So I'm going to try to make it. Okay. Pointer has the international fact checkers now. The point, now the point, pointer is the pointer institute, yeah. which is a, a journalism kind of think tank based in Tampa. Like anybody yeah. in the, anybody in the media business understands or has taken a class with pointer. They are, they are also the uh, largely self-appointed ethics experts. Yeah, they take money from Facebook, by the way. Um, yeah, <laughs> and not surprising. And um, so IFCN, uh, so Pointer started IFC at the International Fact Checking Network. The Internet, or Fact Checkers, I can never remember. I don't care, we're not part of it. So IFC, <laughs> um, you had to join IFCN and be vetted by them and then pass like through this questionnaire in order and, and like this, you know, all these like things that were supposed to be really you know, um, insightful and, and show like how credible you are. It's like a hundred points or something like that. Like you had to apply, which is why they bent the rules for the daily caller, of course, because of course they fucking did. And you can actually go find it for yourself. Cause it's, you know, public, um, in the, you know, they, they try to hide it because it's embarrassing, but it's public somewhere. So, um, so yeah, so they, they were the ones who were supposed to administer it and they were independent. And that, that was the whole idea that they were independent. And then Facebook comes around and they're like, well, we'd like to give you some money for all the good work you do. And yeah. So, so now they, they use Facebook money for the Facebook fact checkers. And then the Facebook fact checkers also get Facebook money. And then a bunch of newsrooms, um, they'll, they'll display it somewhere. Like a lot of, uh, like NPR takes money. SPJ takes money from Facebook. Um, Oh God, I don't know. Like everybody takes freaking money from Facebook except for us, it feels like. And it's, yeah, it's it's really endemic and it's really gross. And again, you can tell, like it's very obvious that who is and is not like getting money because- Well, do they do they take money or is it a is it a business and a revenue share? Oh God, I don't know. So they, yeah, like the business model I think is, is 
is not, you know, directly, quote, taking money from Facebook, but Facebook paying them for content. Well, basically well, throwing a couple nickels in a can. Yeah. I mean, I guess I I mean, the same same thing, really. Right. It's like the same same deal. It's like they're just taking our work and our creativity sucking it up, using it for their own purposes that are much more lucrative, degrading us in the process and throwing us under the bus. That's, sorry, uh, did I mention? <laughs> Not a fan. Um, but it's, it, it pisses me. Oh, that's what I was going to say. My whole world, I grew up, like I said, I grew up online. I've been online since the 80s. I've been part of this, you know, the the BBS world, the Telnet world, IRC, like all of those things. Those were my my people. Those are my people. I've been online my almost my entire life. Except for those four years when my mom grounded me from the computer because I invited a 30-year-old man over. But AKA from your mom, the four best the years. Four. Yeah. My mom's like, I'm so happy. <laughs> but then she had to drive me everywhere because I couldn't like, you know, find some 30-year-old to come pick me. <laughs> 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 okay. Someday I should get her to tell these stories because she's uh she's got a lot of them. She's got stuff I don't even know. She's like I smell a podcast. <laughs> yeah. She's she's fun on the air, I must say. My mom, my mom was, uh, she worked, she was a graphic designer for a newspaper for years. So she's, she's like pretty media savvy. And now she does her own, she does an art class online. But anyway, so, um, I've been online, like, I just really loved the world. I loved, you know, how you could talk to each other. And like, there were these cultural references that we were making ourselves. And I really believed in the power of communication. And, um, I believed in the power of free and open communication. This was like my thing always always growing up. So I was around, hanging around all these tech people. But when I finally started hanging around people who were age appropriate, like age appropriate nerds, um, we would, they, most of them were like just in love with the tech aspect of the online world, which I, I appreciate and respect. And I, I did then too, but I always loved the social aspect of it. I just, how people met and interacted. It was just a new way. You know, I just had never seen, nobody had ever seen this, like people like meeting and, and, purely intellectually at first, you know, just like words on a screen and then moving from there into real life. It was magical to me. It was just something new. And um, so I hung out with it with them and hung out on these groups, these local groups and became like a big part of this sort of like San Diego tech scene, again, where I'm from. And um, so I also had very strong feelings being a San Diego hippie and a San Diego tech person who hung around the open source developers and, and the, the old school, like white hat hackers and gray hat hackers and all that shit. Some of whom are directly deeply involved in this disinformation shit. Now I'm fighting them. Like, what the fuck is that? And, but I like, to me seeing like the Zuckerbergs of the world come up or the, the Dorsey's of the world or, you know, whoever the fuck else and say the crap that they're saying about like, we bringing people together and trying to control the narrative. To me, this is, this is like the most obscene thing anybody could do. This flies in the face of everything I've ever been about. And so for, for them to do this shit, because I remember saying, I remember like, I'd, I'd say we could, we could have free open communication all over the world in any language instantaneously trans uh, translated. And I used to say, cause I was very, I, I was very ideologically like naive I'd be like, no, I'd be like that. No, come on. That could change the world for the better. It could change the world for the better. But then I would say, unless somebody fucked with a narrative somehow, like this was, I was thinking about this back then, but I didn't think it was going to be possible. Like I thought it was impossible for this on this scale. So when this shit started to happen, I was like, maybe not, maybe not. And then I kept going back to that, you know, the Americans smoking the joint, like, Oh, what if the Russians, what if the, the Ruskies or, you know, um, and uh, I eventually put it all together and I, I saw the people who were in, in the middle of all this shit, like Bannon's connected to all these people I fucking grew up with. Um, 
like I realized it had to be online and it had to be somehow connected to like everything like all this authoritarian like disinformation shit was coming from places people were writing it and Facebook was making sure that others were seeing it so it had to be coming from something and it had to be wrapped up somehow in the tech world and uh Anyway, so that's how I ended up like sort of putting it all together. I haven't even gotten into my border work yet. <laughs> so what what can though what can like like this has all been not all of it, but a lot of it's been inside baseball. You know, like people don't even like me and you, definitely regular you know, regular folks don't consume media like we do. And Jeff and Don don't even consume media like your quote average person they're way more um way better read you know and most people just aren't so when you talk about disinformation it's very abstract to them i i what do you mean disinformation i you know i like what i see on facebook or on next door or when i see something on facebook or next door it's as credible as Walter Cronkite used to be for me back in the day. So how does a regular ass person who doesn't live and breathe this stuff, how do you, how do you, how do we, how do people like us explain to them the gravity of it or even introduce them to the fact that they could be being played, but without like sending them either like dismissing you as somebody who is as nuts as a QAnon person or sending them down a rabbit hole themselves. Like how do you, there's, there's millions more people that are potentially affected by this. What do you say to them and what's our responsibility to try and change that narrative? It's a very long question. So this is, I think about this a lot, obviously. Um, I don't know what we can do for people who are already being like sucked into disinformation campaigns. That goes into de-radicalization and I already covered that. Like, I just don't know. That's for people who are much better with other people than I am. All right, so let's, let's, throw, the, let's throw those folks out. Although the people who are, the, the, the anti-vax Karens and the mask crazy people are probably people that can't be de-radicalized. There's a big group that you want to prevent mm -hmm. from getting there. Okay. I actually... What can, what can be done to save them and maintain a majority <laughs> of non-crazy people? So... Now, you're supposed to have a quicker answer to this. Like, I, I have like a... this... I, I want, I, I need to know. <laughs> the answer is very simple and very difficult. The answer is going to sound, uh, I, this is what's going to, we need resilience, social resilience. That's the only way to protect against disinformation and future disinformation campaigns. Okay. Somebody, one of you asked this question earlier about, um, is this a function? And I forgot to answer. Is this a function of disinformation simply flooding us? Right. Is is this if you flood a system with lies, do people just start to believe it? And the, the answer to that is overwhelmingly no, uh, that's not an inevitability. If you flood a system with lies and you are in a system that's in that is resilient to lies, um, 
most people will just like leave it. They'll just be like, fuck Facebook. It's full of, it's full of bullshit. You know, it's full of lies and, and propaganda. I don't want anything to do with it. But because we're not resilient, and I'll get to that, uh, we don't, it, it's, disinformation can only latch on when there's inequality. It only exists to pry people apart, to pry apart social bonds, to take rights away from people. That's all it exists for. So that's all it can, it can you know, use for leverage. And um, so we have to fight the inequality. We have to fight what it latches onto. We have to fight the fear, the xenophobia, the inequality. We have to fight the, you know, the, the anti-critical race theory ding-dongs. We have to fight those sorts of narratives because that's the only way we can build resilience. And with resilience, with, without those weaponized differences between us, those weaponized artificial differences between us, prying us apart and, and atomizing us, making sure that we only see one reality or you know multiple realities instead of agreeing on one shared reality, until we do that, we're going to keep falling for disinformation campaigns. So it's very simple, but it's not easy. The simple answer is social resilience. We have to build resilience. It's the same term as is used for climate um, issues. You have to build resilience and and against climate climate change systems because we can't stop it. You know, it's not going to stop, but we can become resilient to it. And again, you have to do that by fostering egalitarianism, by fostering education systems, by fostering you know um, anything that brings us together instead of further prying us apart. I'm not talking about nationalistic bullshit. I'm talking about shared humanity um, and and a sort of shared you know, idea of what the future is going to be. And right now there are many, many people. See, this is the other part of the disinformation. The overwhelming majority of people in, on, in this country, on this planet, want better things. They want positive change. But we are being told, we're being shown ourselves in a distorted mirror. We are being told that the majority of people don't want this. They want something else. And, and the, the people who are, are like in charge of telling us that our, like fucking Heritage Foundation? Do we really want the fucking Heritage Foundation telling us, defining for us what we are as a country? Because they're the ones who are taking advantage of those algorithms and all that weaponized, you know, bullshit. Yep. Yep. So they're the ones who mm. are like, people like them are the ones who are telling us with the help of like plenty of other hostile forces throughout the world. Because again, global far right now, we've, you know, united the right um, with with the help of like bad people all over the place who who really want to see the United States ripped apart person to person, relationship by relationship, um, they're using that narrative to reflect it back to us to tell us that's what we really are. And we are not. So I think what we have to do is, is, is encourage people who are not out of their fucking minds to speak up more, to run for office more, if only to keep people, you know, shitty people off the school board to speak out. I'm trying to get right now, I'm trying to get a bunch of anarchists to embrace writing to newsrooms and writing to politicians. I'm like, okay, I realize anarchists that you are anarchists and don't believe in this and that you want to go march. So after your march, can you please each send a letter to your, you know, your, your like friendliest elected official, <laughs> not an email. So it's, it's slow going, man. Yeah. And really? Tear down Getting the anarchists system, to participate in the system is hard. Yeah. This is, this yeah. is a shit idea. <laughs> It's, it's, well, I mean, half your time trying to tear down the system, and the other half work within it to try and make it a little bit. Hey, stick, hey you're on you're on Facebook. <laughs> I don't know what you're in it. <laughs> well, I mean, because the other part of that though is it seems like the progressive politicians' answer to this is just to break these companies up. Like that's going to solve anything? I don't see how that's. Oh, it'll solve a couple things. It'll solve a couple things. What would that solve? Well, it what? it would solve the uh, the way. The, 
the way like Facebook is set up, the disinformation can pass from from social network to social network without any like like slowing it down at all. If you can put roadblocks and jam like opportunities to signal jam the disinformation campaigns in, then it'll help a lot. So that's one thing that would really help. Oh, okay. Well, I I, I didn't realize that that part. I I just thought that was just kind of an easy answer to make people feel like something's being done. It could well, they be. will be forced to compete too. Yeah. Yeah. Because they basically they be, they are the Facebook definitely is the worst uh company uh when it comes to innovation because all they do is they find out what Snapchat's doing and, and they steal it. They co-op. But TikTok mm-hmm. is doing and they steal it. They um you know, they Instagram, buy up the yeah, the WhatsApp, new thing. they buy it. Yep. They, there has been no innovation because nobody can go after Facebook. Nobody can go after Google, and no one can go after YouTube. Exactly, and instead we get this god Amazon as well, like this bullshit, like innovation where they're like, "I know what I'll do. I'm going to disrupt taxi drivers." And then what they do is they just create a company yeah. where it's a scab company. So you know, like all the the benefits of unionization is disrupted out of existence because then they're just the help, right? Facebook wanted us to be the help. That's what they do to everybody. So I fuck that. I'm not anybody's help. Yeah. <laughs> So we, we, we have been talking a while, and we have not even, until you mentioned it, talked about critical race theory. Isn't that just the shining example of disinformation really, really, you know, like just metastasizing and just becoming the cancer that they've always wanted it to be? That was the whole mm-hmm. goal of disinformation. That's the whole goal of that fucking campaign. And you know what else? So this is all, oh, my God. I have been, oh, my battery's going low. I'm going to have to go get my charger in a second, maybe. Um, so I have been, um, so before I started in the disinformation game, as you know, Jerry, um, I was a border reporter. And so I covered the U.S.-Mexico border and, um, you know, both countries just kind of like the, the sort of liminal area between the two. And it's my, one of my great loves. So it's like the online world, you know, books and the border. Like those are my, my like loves. Um, I got a few others, but those are the big ones. So the the border, um, I didn't realize how much the disinformation world was being, they were testing out their messaging on the border. And I have theories behind why that's the case, but that's another thing. But it seems to be centered around San Diego. So I just like grew up in the middle of this bullshit. <laughs> it's just like incredible. Um, so, the, but the border, um, like, so there have always been these weird things around the border with like, like kind of crazy people doing crazy things, you know, like crazy optics. Um, so there was something like this about 10 years ago in Arizona where Tom Horn, the Tucson school district, something superintendent, I think, went to a, a talk that was given, a public talk by um, Dolores Huerta. And she said something about how the white man's always like trying to bring us down or something, you know, just like Dolores Huerta stuff. Like, it's just like basically like, you know, white supremacy exists basically like the white males, you know, intersectionality, like that kind of stuff. So Tom Horn gets his panties all in a wad and he's like, oh my God, she hates white people. I'm going to take ethnic studies out of classrooms. And it turned into this huge thing where ethnic studies got removed from Tucson classrooms with the exact same shit. People are showing up with the signs, the exact same shit saying, you know, end ethnic studies and the exact same arguments. And in some cases, the same 
fucking people, the exact people, the exact faces. Mm -hmm. And that's because it was a Heritage Foundation effort. It was complete bullshit. It was a moral panic that it was ignited by, you know, sexy optics and um, the same weaponized poison narrative that was around critical race theory. And it was the same people. Tom Horn was even involved in the, this time around. And um, it was done as a, an example of how to, or like a, a precedent for how to, to take rights away from non-white students, basically. And notice that it all, you know, centered around, of course, education and so on. Um, but once again, you've got that poisoned, weaponized narrative, that poisoned, weaponized mirror being held back up to your, your face as a country. They just tried it out on a smaller scale 10 years ago. And it was around a border issue, um, which is a tell because this all these, these optics and this disinformation shit has been run by a network called the Tantan Network, which is... Uh, an immigration-based network of nonprofits and dark money groups and, and, and shitty politicians and influencers, shitty influencers and so on. And what they're, they're basically, their whole message is basically, um, you know, eugenics, but they've made it like pretty. They've tried to make it pretty. So it's like, well, we're just anti-immigration. Oh, we just, we're just anti-racism against white people. Like that kind of thing. But it's all heritage. Mm -hmm. It's all moral panics. It's all <clears throat> bullshit. And it's all disinformation campaigns. And now it's national. But Fox, but Fox News is... is... Well, you know what, uh, Jeff, <laughs> I, I'm going to let you go on the Fox News thread because I'll go down a rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. So a big part of the misinformation or disinformation, let me use the correct term here, I, I think is Fox News. Um, and you, you talked about Tucker Carlson, and he's like the leader of that gang there with, with disinformation. Um, so I know that's a little bit separate than social he's media. He's also their number one rated host. Yeah. Which is number one rated cable news host. Yes. Not yeah. just there. By a, you're right. By a, by a long shot, too. Yeah. No, I know the demographics lean kind of elderly and all that, but to me, that's still a very scary part of this equation. It is scary. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and I don't know how we deal with something like, like that. Well, first we get rid of fucking Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yeah. Like, get him <laughs> off the air. Like, bring out the big cane. I don't give a shit how it's done. Just bring out the big cane, yank him off. I don't care. I mean. But he's no, got the ratings. Like, but, yeah. the, so but the Fuck incentives. Him. But. But he is, he he may be the worst, but the scary part is that he is one of the worst, and he's number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. He's number one and among the worst. That's and, and if, the if really bad had, sign. Yeah. If somebody had that big cane and, and did, you know, yank him off, there's 10 people just waiting in the wings to take his place. Yeah, but uh, it doesn't... Right, that's OAN. Yeah. But that's not... It doesn't... That doesn't matter. It's... I found that once somebody becomes a figurehead, um, it, once you remove them, their movement loses momentum, even if there's a billion just like them waiting to take their place, and that's worthwhile. It is definitely worth removing people or deplatforming them. And um, this causes a lot of big fights. I live with another journalist, and we occasionally have big arguments about this because I'm just like... Fuck them. Deplatform de without mercy. And he's like, hard to, hard to see you arguing with anyone, honestly. <laughs> uh, I'm not, not, yeah. not, not feeling Strong that. opinions, you say. Yeah. I don't see it. Uh. I mean, it's, Meek, it's how I tell timid. people I love them. Yeah. It's, you know, I argue mm. with them. It's like, yeah. like shaking hands with me. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. But we, we took Trump out of office, and yet he was in Georgia. Was it Perry, Georgia? Perry, Georgia. Just this last weekend. 
and had a huge crowd. It wasn't huge. So I, I know, saw yeah. the crowd. It wasn't that big. Wasn't it? Smaller than it used oh, to okay. be. Okay, maybe I. Should. No, no, no. You're right. I mean, it was big. It, it is alarming. I, I don't mean to. I'm sorry. I'm mm-hmm. just like, I, I also am very heavy on the mockery. <laughs> it's, I just really <laughs> like to mock, um, and I think that they deserve it. But is that? But is that effective? Yes. Very effective. It's not. It is not. It makes you feel better. No, no. It's a, it's a really effective way. It's it's actually a really good way to deal with disinformation purveyors. Mockery, um, humiliation. <laughs> uh, they call it the friction cluster. It's, there's actually, right. I can send you papers. I swear. You've done your own research. I, I, I have done my own research. <laughs> but I've done my own peer-reviewed research and spoken to uh, global, uh, global experts uh, and academics and thrown out. Uh, you know what? I know, I've know i known your peers. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I am without peer. No. Uh, but you talk to these accreditation agencies. <laughs> no, there, there's actually there's a, a small body of work, not a large enough one yet, but there's a small body of work um, about like the sort of things that uh, the, the sort of methods that are being used by bots and trolls and paid operatives on on social media and off, but mostly on. And I've been like how they're using it to create problems on social media and like what they're intended to do. And I mean, like it's, it's there's a science to it. There's actually like there's botnets that like people are studying like how botnets push influence and like how people react and they can quantify it to a certain level. So I've been reverse engineering it in to figure out like the best ways to like torment disinformation purveyors because they deserve it. <laughs> and there's like that mm-hmm. nobody's right, but doing that, it. But that's different. Like tormenting the purveyors are different than the eight people in your next door group that are the ones pushing it out and believing it or the people that are in your local Facebook group who are who are local vectors for those networks yeah. I get the I get the mockery of the oh, no no you should mock the them factories too. putting but but mocking your neighbors for it you're saying that's effective totally that seems that seems not research based it is it is absolutely effective no it totally is there's um Fuck, I don't know. It's signal jamming or something. There's like a counter disinfo, like something. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's actually it's it's very effective because it stops that social contagion. So you'll you'll see people going, yeah, you know, the the FBI is coming for me because oh I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good one. George Soros is putting fluoride in your drinking water. Oh yeah, says somebody yeah. else. George Soros is absolutely putting fluoride. In he's his- paying. He's paying all the protesters. Paying all the protesters. Those, those George Floyd protesters weren't real. They're all being paid by George Soros. Right. And so what that is actually doing, by the way, is pushing an anti-Semitic myth about the Illuminati and the the you know the serpent people, the snake people, whatever. Um, you know, it's 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 another. It's dipping into another weaponized myth. Um, so if you get people like getting a real he- head of steam going, and if you say something like, "What kind of fucking idiot believes this?" Or, you know, something like, but a little bit like more refined than that, maybe um, it, it interrupts their signaling because what they're a lot of times people in those next door groups, despite what next door says, aren't real people <laughs> like they are. A lot of times they are influencers, like troll accounts and, you know, spreading disinformation and then actual neighbors are picking it up, that kind of thing. What happens in next door doesn't seem to bear very much like resemblance to what happens on my street. Not that I'm on there anymore because it was too poisonous. Um, but if you say something, if you push back against that messaging, other people will see it. It is effective. Mm-hmm. And it, it signal jams, it stops, it makes people think, and you won't immediately see it. You don't get the satisfaction of like, oh, you're right, I'm sorry, I was wrong. But other people will see it, and it will stop it. I've managed to interrupt that loop myself many times, and you can see it happening. How, 
How effective is it, though? Oh, fuck, I don't know. I, I would think it, it'd be effective. somewhat effective as, like, pushing back against, like, re- religious thought uh, in, in, a, in a similar... Like, I would think you'd have about the same chance pushing back against a, a, a QAnon follower as you would the, the local Southern Baptist in, in, in next door. That is also true, but if you remember, we're not dealing with faith right now. I mean, we are dealing with faith, but... Yeah. But what this truly is, what QAnon is, and what all these other things are, are, are weaponized, they're, they're attacks. They're, they're attacks against the United States, person by person. They're, uh, this is actually weapon. Like, when I say weaponized, I mean a weapon of war. I don't mm. mean like it's just weaponized like it's bad. I mean it's being directly leveled okay. at us to hurt us as a society. Um, and so it's, you know, it's being done to us. So it's, To what end? To destroy the United States and to show the world that liberal democracies do not work and that authoritarianism is the only answer in order to consolidate power and resources ahead of the climate catastrophe, which is unfolding. And you said you didn't have an elevator pitch, and it took us a while, but we got there. (laughs) Finally got there. Okay, there's my pitch. We got there. What we are fighting is a global far-right power grab enabled by big tech for their own reasons and aligned agendas on the eve and the precipice of a climate meltdown. So that's what we're dealing with. Yeah, we are just about fucked and I'm trying to make sure we don't. Okay. All right. So Mm -hmm. as somebody who pretty much believes that you do know how crazy it makes us sound when you say that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I don't care. I mean, yeah, but but it does matter if you're not, changing anyone's mind like if if they if they if you have been tinfoil headed out of regular society they're not listening anymore but by the time that everybody realizes the alarmist was right it's too late to that i would say um yeah i have a long track record of being right about shit um, to look at the, the stuff that I've said over the last few years and compare it to the stuff that came out just this week. Um, to that, I would also say, like, again, I, I worked on the border for 10 years. I'm very um, familiar with, like, sounding crazy and telling people what's going on and sounding nuts and, and being treated like I'm nuts. I don't like it, and I will hold grudges, but at the same time, I'm familiar with it. Like, I don't care if I'm the, the crazy-sounding one because look around you, you know? In, in March 2020... All right, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sound crazy. Okay. You ready? Sure. Where did all these Haitians come from on the border when, like, like they, there was the earthquake in Haiti, and all of a sudden there were 10,000 Haitians at the Mexican border, allegedly. And Jason Miller got detained. You don't know this? Oh, I know this. Jason Miller, you know... Potato Head oh, I know. from Trump. Yeah. I got know. detained before leaving Brazil, got questioned for several hours before being let go. And there were these kind of rumors that maybe he or somebody else was kind of funneling these refugees up to cause a commotion on the Mexican border. Um, oh, am I am I am am I on tinfoil head no, Twitter? No, no, I no. might be. Well, kind of, um, hang on. This is going to take some explaining, so I better go get my charger and plug this in one second. <laughs> I, you know, I, I did not expect this to be oh, the... I never heard that, Jerry. I never yeah, heard that uh, close, angle of it. Yeah. Well, it's not quite, it's, hang on. Um, okay. how, d- 
But there, there, no, and maybe the facts of the story need to be established. But there are people from Haiti on the Mexican trying border to, to the get States. into the United States as asylum asylum seekers, asylum seekers on the Mexican border. At what point did they enter Mexico? That, that was what I was running. How did they get How to Mexico? How did they get there? Oh, I know this. I, I can tell what you. what do they do? I know the answer. Oh, to good. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, okay. So I actually have been covering the plight of the Haitians for a long time. Um, there are a lot of Haitians in Mexico because of, uh, well, what I'm about to talk about. Oh, I'm so glad you asked me about migration. I love talking about migration. Um, so, okay. So there was the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, I think, right? 2011. Um, and it destroyed... Uh, most of the infrastructure on the island, which is already ailing. Um, so I, I'm also, I have a thing. I've never been to Haiti, and it was one of those places that I really wanted to go because uh, I'm really interested by the history of it and by the way the world has treated it, by the way it's covered, and so on. So um, so I think it's 20, 2011. Um, there was that horrible earthquake, which, which basically devastated it. Um, and mm. the economy never really recovered. And a lot of that is because of sort of systemic racism, like globally, you know. And people in Haiti, they... Haitians, like the Haitians I talk, I have talked to over the years, they never wanted to leave. Like, I mean, nobody wants to leave their home anyway, really. Like, I mean, you know, like out of, they don't want to leave their home and their kids and their established families. Like people don't want to leave their home countries. It's just like once you're at the point where you're walking to another country, you're that desperate. Like it's just, it's not something people do for a lark. So I, I asked them, you know, like they would say, I don't want to be here. And I would say, well, well, why, why are you here? Why now? You know, what made you, prompted you to come? And they would say things like, well, I was a computer engineer and I had a career and now I just have to go to a job center every day because there's no jobs for me. And, and you know, the, the sickness and the crime is so bad that I had to step over bodies to get to the career center to try to find a job. And there's nowhere to go. I'm like trapped. I speak five languages. Like, why should I have to live this way? But I can't find a way out. Like, nobody's going to hire me out of Haiti. So this is actually what one guy told me. He said, well, what I'm trying to do is get to the United States so I can go be with my, my aunt and my sister because he, his aunt and his sister had um, asylum status. And this was in 2014 um, when the first wave of Haitians were coming. Um, so there have been Haitians coming steadily since, since 2011. I think they had started to come en masse in 2013, 2014. Um, and the reason they're, they're coming now is because um, a lot of them didn't want to come to the United States to seek asylum. They wanted work, you know, they wanted to find a place to go. And Brazil offered them a place to go because the, uh, I don't know, fuck, was it the Olympics? The Olympics? Uh, Copa? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, the Olympics, sorry. The Olympics? I, I'm really bad about this. And they had, they had the big, um, was it the World Cup? Wasn't that there? The World Cup, yeah. Yep. It was a, whatever it was. It's a big international sports, sports ball thing. Yeah, because they built all those soccer stadiums that are now just rusting away. Yeah, that. And that was in 20... FIFA got paid, though. 20, of course. 2013, whatever, whatever year that was. So a lot of 2018, 2018. Okay. Well, the, the hiring though, it started in like 20, it started several years ago. Um, and so they started to, sorry, it was 2014. 2014. Not bad. Uh, see, I was right. Ha! I'm, I'm really bad with the years. So <laughs> suck it. Poser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. The Olympics were in 2016. Whatever that was. Uh, but whatever it was, there was a lot of work that needed to be done to prepare for it. So a lot of Haitians went to Brazil with the promise of citizenship at the end of it, if they went to work on these hmm. things. And that promise was obviously broken. Um, a lot of them were sent home, deported, well, home, you know. Um, and many of them started to 
be treated so poorly because there's so much colonization and um, racism in Brazil, despite what you hear from people who are like, no, Brazil's great. There's a ton, a ton of racism against like Afro-Brazilians, against Haitians, against people like people of color, particularly black people. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them have just been coming steadily, like since then, like trying to hold out as long as they can and find work. But since there's safety in numbers and, and because there's no like direct way to get here. Oh, and I think COVID um, ended up being the final straw for a lot of people because I mean, look what's going on in Brazil. You know, Bolsonaro is using it as a bioweapon, just like, you know, all like Modi and it, all the and Trump and all the rest of the horrible axis of shitty, you know, populists. So, um, yeah, so they so they left. And because so there's this other thing that's been going on for about 10 years or it was going on for about 10 years. I covered the first one. Actually, I covered the first several called the Via Crucis. And this was a border thing where um, people would, uh, the caravans, right? So people would come to the United States to apply on these caravans from various countries, but they would all show up at the same time en masse at Easter um, at the border. And because, you know, it resonated with a lot of people because there's a lot of Catholicism in the, in the like border cultures. And so, mm -hmm. the, you know, they would say we're like Christ on the cross. You know, we have to walk, you know, to, I can't remember, like, Google. No, whatever it was. Sorry, I'm trying to remember, and I don't speak very good Spanish. Like it's, it used to be a lot better, but I can't cross anymore. So, but they would say like, this is the way of the cross. Like this is the way of the crossing, and it was a big political statement. And in 2018, that caravan was wrong, right? The people, the same people, weren't organizing it. It was wrong. Um, like it was the wrong time of year. It was, you know, they arrived at the United States right around the midterm. Um, there were people who were involved who had nobody had ever seen before. I think weird shit was happening. And everybody I talked to who was part of that caravan in 2018, this was not a Haitian caravan. This is a Central American mostly, but like it, there were Haitians who were part of it. Like it's not just ever any one country. Um, I said, how come, you know, where, where are you finding these directions? Where was this organized? And they all said Facebook. They found everything on Facebook. It was organized on Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram. And so um, hmm. these, these Haitian people all came to the United States this time uh, or tried to come to the United States this time. And we're all penned up in Mexico all at the same time because they were told by Facebook, by somebody on Facebook um, to go now, like this was the time to go. So somebody, yeah, somebody did direct them. I don't know who it was, but um, you know, and, and the thing with the uh, Hondurans um, in particular who came in 2018, somebody, there was a very popular television presenter or something like that, like Honduran, person's site who got hijacked somehow by somebody on Facebook and nobody knows who hijacked it or why and started putting out like, hey, you need to go join this caravan right now. And then the account disappeared and Facebook still won't say who was behind it. I mean, I think I fucking know. Hmm. I mean, I have my own ideas. Like, I mean, there's that whole Peter Thiel being on the board with his goddamn border surveillance technology that was used to flag my passport and my driver's license. Um, you know, I mean, that's kind of a conflict of interest that possibly should be looked at in the context of such things. But what do I know? Right. So, yeah, I think that people are planting these shitty stories in in various languages and they don't even have to be, you know, good translations because people are fucking desperate. They don't they're looking for anything because there's nothing right now. Like people are in very bad shape all over the world, not just because of COVID, because of infrastructure failures and austerity and, you know, abuses and all this stuff that's been going on for far too long, which is another reason we should build resilience. Wow. And that's my well, elevator that wasn't pitch. that a happy ending. <laughs> no, but, but there's more. I have more. I have a happy ending, sort of. Not a very good one. Oh, let's hear it. It's, well, it's, it's happy-ish. I see how a happy ending is possible. We can do this. 
it's possible, but people need to speak out. We need to have a, a voice. It doesn't have to be unified, but we have to have unification, like in our messaging. Like if if what I've been doing is telling my friends, like, oh, we need to talk about messaging. It's my favorite topic. Oh, it's so much fun. We need to have Brooke back on, I think, is what we need <laughs> yeah. to do. All right, I'll, I'll save it. But you have to, like, not unify messaging, but you, like, you have to bring your messaging together. You have to make it on topic. But you have to also remember that you're we're dealing with um, these these things that are being weaponized against us are basically, like, like, weapons of war made out of abuse. So they can be countered by those same things. So when... <laughs> That, that's the problem. But once you recognize them for what they are, what these disinformation things, these disinformation techniques and tactics, once you see them for what they are, it's it's easier to counter them because it's just the same shit that you would get from a, a, a crappy spouse <laughs> or like a, a, hmm. a crappy boss or something. It's like there's the gaslighting. Hmm. They'll come out and they'll just lie to your face or they'll accuse you of things that you didn't do. Or there's the fire hosing where they just like flood you with shit until you can't, you're, you're just numb. You can't do anything anymore. You flood the zone with shit. Steve Bannon's thing, or there's uh, signaling mm-hmm. where you, you know, you you say one thing, but then you you do something else to to give a message to one group, and then you can just gaslight everybody else. Oh, it's just the okay sign. Uh, by the way, this is white. Yeah. The okay sign in in San Diego. I learned this was white power. It was white Aryan resistance. The Nazis tried to recruit me very heavily when I was in high school in the '90s, and they are a major part of this whole Trump administration shit, which is another reason it made it very easy for me to see them for what they were early on, which was a real long few years where I was like, guys, white Aryan resistance, Tom Metzger, Tom Metzger, this is not going to be good. They're, they're going to do terrible things at the border. They're going to sterilize women. And, uh, you know, here we are. So this is people is why you never ask a journalist to provide you any type of hope. Because that started as I've got good news ish. And it completely swirled down the drain. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I I forgot to stay on the good news part of it. No. No. We started with good news. Somehow we ended up at Tom Metzger. We ended up at Nazis. Positive change is possible. And and Nazis are very easy to frighten if you just fight back a little bit. Like, they do back down very quickly. I managed to just, like, pretty much destroy a Nazi group here in town very satisfyingly yeah. last year because they, they kept coming after me. So I just turned them into the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> that could be news. That's wow. Oh, I don't care. I'll tell everybody. And that, you, that guy, actually, the Georgia <clears throat> deputy. Did you hear about that? The Georgia deputy says, I like to beat up black people for stress relief, who was part of a, cell, a terrorist cell. And it was linked to San Diego. Did you hear? You didn't hear about this? No. no. This was a this was a deputy sheriff in Georgia? Yes. In Georgia. Was, I'm shocked. He was part of a white supremacist cell that was linked to San Diego terror cell. And that San Diego terror cell was the one that I went ahead and turned into the FBI. So you're welcome. Wow. You're welcome, Georgia. <laughs> Thank oh, no, you very it. much. Yes. I didn't know at the time. And we and look, and, and we appreciate your time. We, you, yeah, this absolutely. Was, this was much, uh, much longer than we thought we'd get, obviously. Um, Especially for the amount we are paying you, which is the amount that we are being paid because we have not been bought off by Facebook. I'm actually yes. going to be doubling my usual fee for you, so take that. Do you, do you have an email for that $100,000 check from Facebook? Um, yeah. yeah, we get paid off. We tell them we're a news organization. Yeah. Venmo me at Facebook 100K. Yeah. I mean... Then you'd have to do whatever they told you, and they'd be real pains in the ass. Trust me, you do not want to be dealing with these people. They are so annoying. Oh, my God. 
Wow. So what is the what's the best way for our audience to yell at you? Oh, um, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, well. Uh, well, I mean, Facebook. I, I won't see it. <laughs> on look, Facebook. Her, look her up on Facebook and uh, send her a friend request. I don't. I don't answer friend requests, and I don't read my messages. So go ahead. <laughs> like, so, um, but at Brooklyn Marie. Yeah, at Brooklyn Marie. That that should be great. Tw- on Twitter. On Twitter or um, Brooke at What's True dot com if you want to send me death threats because you know. Oh. <laughs> We don't want to do that. We don't want to encourage that. But if you do, you know, email makes it easy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and to them, I say I'll tell everybody the same blowhard shit that I tell because I can't help it because I'm a blowhard. Um, but I'll tell everybody the same blowhard shit that I say all the time. I've dealt with the fucking border and all that implies. I've dealt with. I've gone up against human traffickers. I've gone up against cartels. I've pissed off some of the worst people in the entire fucking world. Those death threats don't scare me. Like if they meant it, they would do it, right? Like yeah. I don't. I don't care. Well, you, we, we we don't uh, we we don't we don't have the death threat audience. Oh, okay. no. you might have people picking a bone with you, but you know, oh, like okay. we, we're not. Yeah. Uh, we haven't reached. We've done this for four years, and there haven't been any death threats. Maybe we're not trying hard enough. <laughs> I think that's it. Um, no, okay, that's great. Well, I don't mind criticism as long as it, it, if it's if it's like good faith criticism as opposed to you're ugly, then I'll, I'll yeah. listen to it. But if they're telling you, I don't give a fuck if I'm ugly. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, no, I'm ugly. Well, <laughs> that's, that's thanks the- again. And we do reserve the right to, to ask you on again. And oh, yeah, we'd love that. to badger you. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'd love that. Appreciate too. it. Let me know. Next time I'll, I'll, I'll get real wasted beforehand. Absolutely. <laughs> Take care. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. And we're back. So, is that what you expected? Or what did you expect? And what did you get? Yeah, to me, it was very enlightening, you know, with her connections that she's had, you know, all this time with with Snopes, and then, you know, the Snopes connection with with Facebook and Truth or Fiction. I mean, that's really her, her whole life's work, basically, is on disinformation. So she, she knows her stuff. I mean, the thing that kind of surprised me, in a way, is that she won't quit Facebook because she needs it for work, etc. So, you know, even knowing all the garbage that's going on there and how she hates, hates, hates it, you know, it's still a vital part of, of it's, our it's world. It's still an excellent communication tool. I was shocked, honestly. I, I really was. That she had an account? Not that she had an account, but it was the one thing that I thought of or kept thinking about after we talked about it, particularly when all the Facebook news came in. And not necessarily just her, but how do you complain about something that you participate in? How do you have a personal asterisk on an issue like that? And if people who know what they know and kind of believe what they believe but still participate participate in it, it feels a little bit like a juggernaut that there's almost no use in fighting against it. And that's, that is kind of scary to me. Well, I don't think, you know, that, that she doesn't think you have to fight against it. In fact, you know, I think she definitely wants to see changes. And, you know, that, that's when the, um, the whistleblower that came out, uh, Frances Haugen, she still has a Facebook account, too. But, you know, she wants things to change there. And, I, and I'm thinking, too, that all social media is maybe not as evil as Facebook, 
but they all use algorithms to drive anger and those kind of emotions that they keep people on. Twitter does it. YouTube does it. What other apps are out there that are, that are social media driven like that? But you know what I'm saying is is like I don't know how you really avoid that. It definitely needs to be regulated. And and I think you know when when uh, Haugen talked before uh, Congress this week, I think there's definitely well. I, I say there's going to be something happening, but, you know, we always say that and then nothing happens. Yeah. What do you do, though? They, they talk about breaking it up, but does that just make a number of smaller problems instead of one contained problem? And is it hard? If, if Facebook was six different companies, would it be easier to regulate or it would be harder because then they, there would be less cooperation within those six since they're competing against each other? Well, I kind of think it's... it's you know, almost too late to break them up now. I yeah. mean, when they were independent companies, you know, like WhatsApp and Instagram yeah. and all that, they had, you know, a, a staffing that was creative, innovative and all that kind of thing. And, you know, when that was kind of blended into Facebook, all that was kind of watered down. So I don't know how you'd ever recreate that kind of... That, that would be a terrible way to go. To break, to break up them like up. They abs- no, they absolutely have to be broken up. They all have to be broken up. Google yeah, has but to be I, broken you, up. Facebook has to be broken up. Amazon has to be broken up. Abs- there's no competition in any of them. Oh, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Is so there was competition, and that was the you know the downside is is rather than forcing Facebook to be competitive and creative, they just bought the competition. But now, how do you spin that off? I, I can see that with Amazon, uh, or maybe even Google more th- than than with Facebook. But th- there's no requirement to make investors in Facebook whole. They need to be broken up because nobody is going to enter any of these spaces. All they do now is steal from Snapchat anyway, or TikTok. I don't have a TikTok account, but I see plenty of TikToks. On Facebook. Yeah. On Facebook. Yeah. People repost them to Facebook. Mm-hmm. You don't you need... Can down, you can download it, the videos, too. It's like having a Facebook TikTok filter. Somebody does the perusing for you and picks out the good stuff. And Amazon's going to turn... The, or um, Instagram was already kind of pivoting to be more like TikTok. They they need to be... They need to be, as a, as a, as a whole, WhatsApp needs to be separated, Facebook needs to be separated, and Instagram needs to be separated thousand percent and the same with amazon and the same with google hopefully they can figure a way to do that but just doing that breakup isn't enough they need to figure out a way to regulate it's kind of like if you broke up dow chemical into different chemical companies if you haven't changed the regulation then then you've just got 10 small problems instead of one big problem right i i would say one step at a time the the regulation conversation leaves me a little cold because that's what Facebook likes to say. Oh, yeah. We welcome regulation. We think smart regulation is good, blah blah blah. You can't believe you can't believe a goddamn thing that company says or what Mark Zuckerberg says. So when he says he wants regulation, what never comes up in that conversation is between them and Google, they're the number one spenders and lobbyists in DC. Big time. Well, and I, I think that's a problem is is in one of the um, hearings, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was this week, I think it was a week or two before, where you, you, you find out that these Congress people 
Many of them have no idea what social media is. A lot of them are. A lot of them are. Yeah, you know, if you're talking about the, what's the guy's name from Connecticut that asked the question about the fake accounts? Yeah. And he got roasted for that. But that's actually a big deal. That's a big deal, especially to parents. It is a big deal, but he didn't understand it completely. I I did not come on this conversation to be contrarian, and it's like twice in in five minutes. Um, I think that's the video clip where his aide was seen like like, off to the side kind of wincing. Visibly flinching. I'm going to put article links in the show notes that discuss, and here's the bad aspect of that. There were actually a lot of good questions asked, a lot of good questions asked, and the only fucking soundbite that I saw on Twitter was that one. And mm-hmm. and it was getting dunked on. Because that's the one that people understand easily. Well, that's the one that, that easily transmits in a 30-second clip. It's the one that garners the most attention, mm-hmm. yep. that leaves no sense of context. The questioning and the, the answers were really good. And the only thing people remember is that. And it gives everybody the impression that Condors is trying to regulate something they don't understand. I don't believe that. Yeah. I think they understand it way more than people give them credit for. And when Congress gets, I, I can't believe I'm defending, I'm defending Congress, but here we go. All right. <laughs> if we want regulation, but we think the members of Congress are too stupid to do it, then we're never going to get it. Yeah. It'll never happen. Or why would we want these buffoons to regulate it? Well, and you know, what's, what's interesting about this whole thing is, so yes, that was widely shared on which app? On Twitter. So Twitter, because of its algorithms and all that kind of thing, kind of spun the story out of what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So there is no escape. When you do a Google search, and I use Google this time because it popped up for Blumenthal, and you start to type in Blumenthal, Mm-hmm. Yep. What's the first auto response after six letters of his name? Well, let me let me try it and see here. <laughs> so it, instead of waiting for Wait, yeah, a few for, minutes for Grandpa to type, it, type the old Google machine, <laughs> it, 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 how it, do you spell it? It, it is Finsta. <laughs> okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Yep, you're right. Yep. And the first the first story, Damn. why it's no laughing matter that a senator asked Facebook to commit to ending Finsta. Hmm. And that does get into my recommendation and, Don, maybe your recommendation or one of yours. But if you haven't read the Facebook files on the Wall Street Journal site, which probably no one has or very yeah. few people have, listen to the Facebook files podcast on uh, what's the name of the show? The, the journal? journal, I the believe, journal. is the name. Yeah, like just the journal the daily. is the name of the podcast. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like the the Wall Street Journal's daily podcast. They're only which is free. It's yeah. free. Yeah, it's free Half an hour on, long. On. Yeah, um, the longest one is the last one, which is the interview with Francis Houghton, and that one's about forty minutes long. The rest of them are all between 25, 35 minutes long. Uh, so, I mean, you, you can bang them out in you know a day easy. But yeah, very, very good. And it's like we like we sp- talked about, it seemed like the first five 
were unto themselves and and the uh, initial idea. And then when not realizing that she was going to come out and make herself her identity known, then they had her in for an interview and and put out a sixth episode. Uh, So if you want to listen to the interview, you can listen to it by itself. Uh, But if you're going to listen to the whole thing, the first five episodes, you do want to listen to those in chronological order. You can't listen to the sixth one out of at a time. Yeah, so we should put a link if yeah, we can. Yeah, absolutely. The, and the, the question, you know, and the Finsta question is really relevant to the fourth one, I think, of this, um, I don't know, the fifth one, where mm-hmm. it's called the Facebook Files, the push to attract younger users. Yes. And four that and five That was probably were, one of the harder episodes. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was eye-opening in a, in an uncomfortably bad way, and, and I and I, I am not a Facebook lover, as no. people in this podcast know. And and I, I don't want to spoil anything, but when if you have a corporate meeting about growing your social media platform, and you're looking at younger and, and younger customers, because you need growth at every at any growth. cost. It's like a mm-hmm. shark; it'll die if it if it's right. not moving. Yeah. If there is a section of the ages up on a board and zero to four is one of them and there's not an X drawn immediately through it as this is not an option and probably the one next to it as well is not an option either. They didn't kill their Instagram for kids. No, it's been shelled. No, no, right. you're right, right. It's on pause. It's on, it's it's in, on pause. It's got mothballs. It's got some yeah. nice mothballs around we're it. Gonna, they're going to it out. We're going to continue... And, yeah. and by the way, they're not going to stop doing research. They may stop the, like, so when they say it's on pause, what does that mean? Like, the people Until, who worked on it are, like, what is it? You're a tech company. You're basically yeah. doing research and, and you know, testing out user experience designs. We have no idea. We're just, we're going to trust Facebook. Oh, we're going to put it on pause. Yeah, yeah. so they're just going to sit idly at their desk and do nothing then? Right. I, mm-hmm. I, you wouldn't know. Like you don't have to build a factory, yeah, to produce an an Instagram for children. So no. there's no they don't they don't have to they don't really have to do much. They can still be doing the research, still be doing the work, still be doing all all the coding and all that stuff, just not implement it until the wind's blowing in a little better direction. Yep. I'm sure Team InstaKids is still showing up on Monday with, with a lunchbox, ready to go to work and bang out some Instas now or whatever they do down there. It's just going to be Instagram 2. Is it? No, they just won't call it InstaKids. They'll just yeah. rename it, and when it's time to light the fire again, they can do it. Kidstagram. Yeah, hey, whatever. Kidstagram. They'll come up with some stupid name for it. <laughs> so, did you have a recommendation, Jeff? I do not. I'm still reading the Jesus and John Wayne book, which okay. is fascinating, really in depth. So, I mean, I, I still highly recommend it. In fact, I think for our uh, our local meetup book club is going to be the December um, yeah, book yeah. to read. So, good stuff. I don't know, you know, how popular the author is, but maybe at some point you might reach out to to her and see if we can get her on. She was on the uh, Straight White American Jesus podcast a while okay. back. 
Yeah, we'll have to reach out to her. Um, I got a quick one. It's uh, Netflix, seven episodes. It's called Midnight Mass. It's a if, – if you watch either like the – was it like the haunting of Blythe Hill and then there was a haunting of – I forget what the other the name of the other one was. But it's the same group that did those. It, it's a horror uh, seven-episode series set on an island. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, it's, it's, but it's – I'm a little more than halfway through it. Really, really good. Really enjoying it. I thought it was about the Catholic Church, Midnight it's a, Mass. Well, yeah. it's about a priest. It's about a, it's about the, a new priest at the at the old local parish on on, on the island. That, that's all I'll say. No, two thumbs enthusiastically up. It's it's really really, really? yeah wow. really good. Yep, on Netflix. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, you know what? I can give you a sec. I I I got one for you, Jeff. Okay, if it's of interest, the way down documentary on crazy-haired Gwen Shamblin, the uh, Nashville weight loss Guru. pastor. Yeah. That's a pretty... That's, that's a, on Netflix also? Yeah, that's on Netflix. There's only okay. three of okay. them. Well, there's uh, three of them now. There will be more. Oh, yeah. Because um, she just... How long ago was it? It's May. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, it's it's not too recent, but not too long ago, she she passed away in a it was a plane crash. Yep, flown by her husband, wow. whose TV's Tarzan or something. Correct. That's a you know, it's not a fun. No, it's not a feel good uh, yeah, not, documentary. Not, have I ever given you a feel good it's, recommendation? <laughs> it's a tale as old as time. Big big haired preacher from from Tennessee dies in plane crash with Tarzan. Oh man. It's, Boy, I need a <laughs> I need an upbeat thing to watch. Okay, give me one next time. An upbeat. All right, on I, I, I have to do an upbeat recommendation. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you an upbeat one. I'll give you an yeah. upbeat one. Yeah. Go watch Squid Game. Don't Google it. Just go watch it. Completely <laughs> upbeat. It's it's sunshine and roses. That's that that I know enough about that. That is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is like uh, your Russian bot speaking. Oh um, man, he's back on now. It's yeah. another disinformation campaign. Yeah. That would that that you know what? The <laughs> up is down. Yeah. Down is up. Yeah. Nothing is true. <laughs> I I'll find something upbeat. All right. Please do. All right. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll check in in two weeks. We'll see if Jerry's got something upbeat for us. I, I Yeah. From the ledge. I'm, I'm laying seven to five, you done. <laughs> just say it. Oh, I'll take that bet, and I'll just find something. Yeah, I know. Win you'll, win you'll, you'll win win me like a kid's coloring book or something. It's like, hey, look, it's you know butterflies and shit, you know. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all in two weeks. See ya. Just us three. No yeah. guests. Right? You don't know that. Boring us. You don't yeah, know. Well. Some, <laughs> some great guests Something could happen. Something could happen. You never know. Right. If not, just us. All right. Good night. See you next time. Godzilla is my friend, and Shredinko was my friend.
just fucked off now Gorbachev is my friend Frank Sinatra is my friend Frank Sinatra is my friend Wherever I go, Sinatra goes Frankie is my friend And love and rockets are my friends Love and rockets are my friends Me? Was someone in the party and the devil was 